Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. I just want to start by sharing something that happened, uh, a conversation that happened between myself and my son, Max, about a year, year and a half ago. So he's six now. It was probably when he was about four. Comes home one day from school or nursery, and he goes, Dad, I want to go to the moon. I was like, oh, that's a good aspiration. You know, you're going to have to take the right GCSEs. You're going to have to pick the right A-levels. You're going to have to work really hard. No, 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 no. I want to go to the moon now. I was like, uh, well, that's probably not going to happen. I said, no, it will. I was like, oh, well, what makes you say that? He says, well, my friend Robin... In my nursery, he's been to the moon. And I was like, Max, no, he hasn't. Uh, yes, he has. I was like, no, he hasn't. He says, yes, he has. And I, I mean, it shows more about me than I did the yes, he has, no, he hasn't for quite a while, actually, with Max. Um, and he's like, look, Max, I'll Google it for you. Do you want me to Google it? Yeah, Google it. Let Google sort it out. Max is very up for that. I was like, look. So I get on Google. Oh, Ma- okay, Max, there's been 12 people who've walked on the moon, all right? I said, yeah, and they're all pretty old now because they all did it in the late 60s and early 70s. And he's like, yeah, whatever. Okay, tell me them. So do you want me to read the names out? He's like, yeah, read the names out. Robin will be on there. My friend Robin, he has walked on the moon. He's told me. I said, okay. So I read out the names, get to the last name, 12th name. And it's, obviously none of them are called Robin. And he goes, no, it's wrong. Robin has been on the moon. And honestly, I could not convince that kid that his friend Robin had not been on the moon for that day. Or for the next two or three days, he'd come home from school and I still want to go to the moon. Sorted out for me, Dad. I was like, I can't do that. Robin's been. His dad sorted it for him. I was like, I can't. Eventually, a few days later, after clinging to this idea for a few days, he comes home and he still want to go to the moon. He's like, nah, nah, nah. Robin told me he was only joking. He hasn't been to the moon. And I, I realize I, I can't go anytime soon. <laughs> His little heart was breaking, you know. But it was a hard truth for him to digest. I mean, I couldn't get it through to him, but um, his friend did. It was a hard truth for him to digest. He, he couldn't go to the moon. His friend hadn't been to the moon, and he probably wasn't going to the moon anytime soon, unless Elon Musk does something, I don't know, amazing very quickly. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today is hard truths. Receiving them and sharing them. Receiving and sharing hard truths. Now, from what I gather, you have, over the last few weeks, months, been going through a series titled Gospel Freedom. Uh, We've been going through the book of Galatians. Uh, I don't know, I'll, I'll do a bit of a recap. Obviously, Galatia is an area in central Turkey. Some of you have maybe been there on holiday. It's estimated that Paul spent about a year and a half there in around the year 47 to 48 AD. So if Jesus kind of ascended one back to heaven in about 2930, so we're talking 18, 19 years after Jesus. Uh, Paul went there. It, it, Galatia, obviously you may have covered this in the past, it wasn't just one church, it was a region. So it was a number of churches in a number of cities and it would have included the cities of Pisidian Antioch, Iconium, Lystra and Derbe, which I think we can see here. Yep, that is the area of Galatia, central Turkey. Paul preached the gospel there over a period of a year and a half. People got saved, people became Christians and he planted some churches and those churches were started. That's basically what happened. And then Paul left, as he did, to move to the next place. And then some other people came in and asked these new believers, hey, what do you believe? And they're like, oh, we love stuff about Jesus, dying on the cross, sins, everything, go to heaven, that, all the, the standard gospel stuff. And they're like, okay, that's good, but there's also some extra things you need to know, okay? 
Um, I was like, did Paul not tell you these things? They're like, no, Paul did not tell us these things. Tell us this extra stuff that we need to know. I said, well, okay, well, not surprising Paul didn't tell you because he does talk a lot of rubbish. They start bad-mouthing Paul a bit, okay? And then they say, okay, well, don't listen to Paul. Listen to us, all right? We'll tell you what to do, okay? So here's what you need to do. Galatians, all right, okay, let's write this down. This is important, okay, right? You need to observe all the Jewish feast days. Okay, that's fine. That sounds good. Feasts, meals, lovely. Bank holidays, that's up them. <laughs> Great, all right? Uh, you also need to get circumcised, or the guys do. It's like, Okay, well, a bit painful, but if that's what it takes, we will do that. There's also a bunch of extra laws that you have to obey. Okay, right, can you give us a list of these laws? Yeah, we'll list down the laws for you, give them a list of laws. So basically, what they did was, the Galatians, was they added a bunch of stuff to make sure they were in. They added a bunch of rules to make sure they were acceptable to God. And what that meant was they were no longer actually following the gospel, that you're saved by grace alone, but they were following works. They're saying, right, we've got to do all this stuff to make us acceptable with God. And Paul responds with this absolute stinger of a letter in 49 AD, about two years after he'd left these churches. It's a letter of, uh, where Paul writes out of deep passion and, and frustration. You can see that in the letter. It's not a very British letter. It's not very polite. There's no pleases and thank yous in it. He just gets stuck straight in. And he doesn't even do the thing that he does with all his other letters and has a nice greeting at the start, you know? You know the whole kind of praise sandwich thing? You know, where you're like, if you've got something hard to say, you kind of say something nice about the person beforehand and maybe something nice at the end. Paul doesn't do any of that. He just gets stuck straight in with the Galatians. And if you look at chapter one, it says, Paul says to them, look, I am astonished you've deserted the gospel of God and turned to a different message, okay? So it's a pretty hard, full-on book that you've been studying. So well done for getting through it. Now, We've studied the book of Galatians in a number of different, or we've looked at, the, we've done a preaching series in the book of Galatians in a number of different sites at CCM. And I, I keep asking people, well, how's the series in Galatians going? And everybody, I heard about four or five people say, Andy, it's the same every week. We talk about the gospel every week. It's about like gospel every week and again, gospel every week and gospel. And I said, well, that's probably not a bad thing. That's, you know, gospel is a central thing. And the reason it's the same every week is because kind of Paul's saying the same thing every section of this letter. He's trying to convince the Galatians to stay true to the gospel rather than believing the false teachers and submitting to the Jewish law. And he's just coming at it from loads of different angles. Some weeks he's like theological, some weeks he's personal, some weeks he uses hyperbole. Um, where he actually, you know, really goes for it. Some weeks he's just really confrontational. He's just using all these words. And like, no, believe the gospel. Don't believe the false teachers. So the passage we're going to look at this morning is more of the same. We're going to look at Galatians 4, 12 to 24, but, uh, 12 to 20. But this passage is much more personal than all the other passages. Paul really opens up. He shares his heart. He shares how he's feeling about the whole situation. But he's still got the same end goal in mind. He wants him to say no to the false teachers and say yes to the gospel. But also what this passage shows us is it shows us a lot about how to share and how to receive hard truths well. We've all had that moment, haven't we, where someone maybe at work says, look, I've got something I need to talk to you about. And it's something you haven't done well or you could have done better. And your heart sinks, you know, or you get that email, you man. Or you've got someone who maybe works for you, works with you, and you've got to share something. You're like, oh, I don't want to do this. There's a lot we can learn from this passage about how to share and receive hard truths well. And that's what we want to look at today. So let's read the passage. 
Galatians chapter 4, verses 12 to 20. I'm going to read it. You can follow in your Bibles. It will appear behind me as well. So let's read Galatians 4, start verse 12. Paul says this, I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I became like you. You did me no wrong. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. Um, And basically, it sounds like some commentators have suggested that Paul wasn't actually planning to visit the Galatians, but it was because of illness that he had to stop with them. That's why he says that. Verse 14 continues. And even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Jesus Christ himself. Where then is your blessing of me now? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Now here, commentators think that this may mean that the illness he had was something to do with his eyes. That's what they, they, they suspect. They think it might be, that's why he says that. Verse 16 continues, have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Verse 17, these people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may have zeal for them. It is fine to be zealous provided the purpose is good and to be so always, not just when I'm with you. My dear children, for whom I'm again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. How I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed about you. So we can see that Paul really opens up and really shares where he's at with this whole situation, how he's feeling about them. And I just want to look at, again, as I said, two things this morning. Firstly, how to share hard truths well. I want to see that from the passage. And also how we can receive hard truths well from the passage too. So let's start with sharing hard truths well. Now, I I probably didn't do a great job of sharing (laughs) that hard truth with Max. That no, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. (laughs) Didn't really work. You know, I've learned that. You know, a little bit of father education there doesn't normally work. So, but um, I'm also acutely aware of talking about sharing hard truths well also means um, that I may have a queue of people after this sermon wanting to share hard truths about my sermon, which um, probably won't be fun, but it might be good for me, you know. So, um, yeah, but I'm going to take the risk that, that, that you know, maybe, maybe it isn't the whole church queuing up. But basically, just want to share four tips from the passage. Uh, but when we have to confront someone and share our truths with them, just four tips that we see here. Okay, first one: show that you care about the person rather than just about being right. Show that you care about the person than just about being right. My dad used to say, "Someone convinced against their will is of the same opinion still." And basically means you can win the argument, but if you do it in such a way that the person no longer likes you then they're not going to change their mind because they don't want to change their mind because someone they don't like has convinced them. I mean, it's just a just fundamental way we work. Often when we challenge someone, there can be a real danger that it becomes more about winning the argument than actually helping the other person see something differently. You know, I said to someone a while back who, who, who got in a bit of a debate with someone, and I said, look, you're great at winning the argument, but you just do it in a way that's so not winsome that the person just doesn't like you at the end of it. Like you've won the argument, but they don't change their mind. And the person was like, uh, yeah, I think you're right, actually. Yeah. See, the way we communicate that we care for the other person 
especially when they're in, in the midst of sharing stuff, is through the language we use, subtly through the language we use. If you look at the, the passage in verse 12, Paul addresses the Galatians as brothers and sisters. It's family language here. Then verse 19 talks about them as my dear children. You know, it comes across, he cares for them. They can see that, they can feel that. And I think love for the person that we're sharing with, it's, it's almost like it's the raft that carries the hard truth down the river into their heart. You've got to build this raft through that person knowing that you love and care for them, and then you put the hard truth on the raft, and it goes down the river into their heart. If the raft's not strong enough to carry the hard truth, it ain't going to be received, it ain't going to be accepted. Okay, so that's first little tip. Show that you care about the person rather than just about being right. Second tip, real quick one, it's easier to challenge somebody when you have a relationship with them. Okay, so when they know you, when they know you have their best interest at heart. And we see that clearly with Paul. He knows these people, doesn't he? He really knows them. Third tip, it's best to do it in person. Yeah? Ever had that email? Oh, man, you could just talk to me. It's best to do it in person. Now, you might be sitting here thinking, uh, yeah, I get you, Andy, but... Uh, Paul didn't do it in person. <laughs> Paul wrote a letter. <laughs> We're reading the letter that he wrote. Well, it's interesting you say that, but he only wrote a letter because he couldn't do it in person. Like read verse 20. It says, Paul says, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone. And that is exactly why in person is best whenever you've got to share some, some hard truths because you can see people's tone. You can read them. You can read their face. You can see how annoyed they are, or how this, or how that. And that's why it's so much harder to share hard truth by text or email. It's much harder to communicate your tone. You know, I got a, I got a, bit, a, a negative email recently, and um, it was fine. It was really well explained, everything, the issue, all said it really clearly. But I couldn't work out from the email, how annoyed is this person about this issue, you know? On a scale of one to 10, like, are they spitting blood? Or are they like, oh, I thought I'd just share this. And like, but when you see someone in person, you can get that. Oh, okay, I just thought I'd mention this. Or like, Andy, sort this, or I'm going to like sort you, you know? It, it's, it's hard to tell that in an email. And especially when you, get, when you get people who don't know how to use caps, caps locks, and are really liberal with the exclamation marks, you know? <laughs> And like, it's just the way they type, but I'm like, three exclamation marks. Are they going to leather me the next time they meet me? Yeah, it's hot. I don't know, you know? So it's so much better if you can to do it in person. Fourth tip, when you're having to share some hard truth, is share your heart, you know? Don't just share the facts, share your heart. Like, be open, be genuine, express your feelings with regards to the whole situation that you're talking about. Like when we look at Paul here, he says he feels like he's in the pains of childbirth. He says, look, this is, I'm in turmoil over this, you know? This means so much to me. And he also says, look, I'm perplexed by it. I don't get you. What? Why has this happened? He's really sharing where he's at. And I think when people see your heart for them, when they see how much, how much you care for them, how much you want them to change, what it's doing on the inside of you, that's really, really helpful. Really helpful in the situation. Anybody here... Uh, Love maths? Nobody wants to admit it. Okay, is it a little bit, if I'm, I'm going to put it in maths terms, okay? Show you're working out, you know? You used to say that? 
Don't just show the answer, show the working out. You know, and sometimes with people, actually show them, look, here's what's going on on the inside of me. This isn't just do this, don't do this. Look, here's how I've come to this. Show where you're at with it. Show your emotions. So that's sharing hard truths well. Four little tips from Paul on how to share hard truths well. I just thought, you know, you've been getting the gospel every week, so I thought I'll do something a little bit different. We'll get a bit of the gospel as well. But that's point one, sharing hard truths well. Point two, Receiving hard truths, well, no one's queuing up for that, are they? No, but there are ways that we can receive hard truths. Well, now, throughout Galatians, I mean, the whole letter of Galatians is Paul delivering hard truth after hard truth after hard truth for the Galatians and just basically telling them the hard truth of how they've departed from the true gospel message. Now, quick reminder of what the gospel is before we move on. I've written it up here, or I've typed it up here, all right? I'm going to read it. Uh, I was here like about two months ago and I had like a, what the gospel is and it was an entire slide and I've like condensed it a little bit. So I just thought I've shortened it, okay? You got to be happy with that? Is that good? All right. Because I made us all read it last time as well. Yeah, all right. Short, condensed version of what the gospel is. Okay, so the gospel is the good news that who? Jesus. The son of God died for our sins and rose again, eternally triumphant over his enemies so that there is now no condemnation for those who believe but only everlasting joys. Good news? Yeah. Amen. Yes. So this is what the Galatians were departing from. Paul said, you've got to get back to that. Now, how did they receive Paul's message, this letter of the Galatians? Well, we think they received it well. Like, we don't have another letter that the Galatians wrote back to Paul, you know, saying, oh, Paul, we've been so stupid, we're so sorry. You know, we don't have that letter. We don't have that in, in our possession. But we do know that Paul visited the Galatian region a couple more times after this letter was written, which probably means that they did respond, at least partially positively, to what he had said to them. Now, I just want to share two things we can learn from this passage about how to receive hard truths well, first thing is remember your relationship history with the person that's bringing the hard truth with you, okay? Now, I wasn't sure Colin was going to be here, but he is, but I'm going to say it anyway, right? So a um, <laughs> number of years ago, Colin came to me. And he, had to share, he had to share a hard truth with me. And basically, it was, Andy, your preaching's not very good. That was it, okay? Now, he was very nice about it. It wasn't quite that blunt, and there was lots of nuance and all, but basically, Andy... You've got to up your game in your preaching. It's not been good enough, right? And that was a hard truth. I remember where I was sitting in your living room, the front one. Yeah, still remember where I was sitting. It was a hard truth. But I remember it was right. I did need to up my game. But also what made it easier to accept it from Colin was because I remember like, we've been through loads together, you know? We've planted churches together. We've dealt with so many problems together. He's helped me through hard times in my life together. I've helped him through hard times in his life together. Just remembering what we'd been through helped me to accept the hard truth that he brought, okay? So actually, remembering our relationship history of the person who's bringing it is really helpful. And that's kind of what Paul's trying to get the Galatians to do here. He's like, come on, look, we've been through loads together. You know, remember my illness? You looked after me, and you blessed me, and you helped me, and I've done loads of stuff for you, and you've done loads of stuff for me. Come on, Remember our relationship history. That's kind of what he's trying to say to them here. And I don't know if we have actually a phrase in the English language that we use a bit when we are trying, we're trying to share something to someone, like a hard truth, and they're not really getting it. 
You know, I don't know if you know the phrase. It's a, come on, this is me speaking here. You ever do that? Like it's someone you know really well and you've got to share something and they're not getting it. Come on, they're like, come on, this is me speaking here. This is not some stranger. I know you, you know me, I'm for you. This is, and that's really when we say that, that is basically saying, look, remember our relationship. Remember what we have as friends here. I'm doing this for your good. And that's a really good tip when it comes to receiving hard truths. Well, remember our relationship history. And I think the second thing, the second tip when it comes to receiving hard truths well is ask yourself, whose voices are you listening to? Okay, so someone comes and tells you there's this difficult thing that you need to change or work on, and you've got 10 other mates all in your ear saying, that person's an idiot, you should not listen to them. Okay? you got to ask yourself, whose other voices am I listening to right now? What are they saying? And are those voices good? Are they right? I remember, um, oh, years ago now, uh, chatting to a guy who's, Marriage had basically broken down. He'd, he'd done something he shouldn't have done. He was very sorry. His wife, she kicked him out and he wanted back in, but he, she wouldn't let him. She wouldn't, wouldn't forgive him. And I remember saying to him, I said, look, who does your wife listen to? Who, like, who speaks into her life? And he was like, oh, she's really close with her mom. Oh, is she? All right, okay. What's her mom like? Tell me what her mom's like. Oh, Andy, yeah, she's really cynical. She's unforgiving and she really doesn't like me. <laughs> and I was like, man... It's not looking good for you. <laughs> I actually said that. I did actually say that. It's not looking good for you. And it wasn't. And it still hasn't been resolved. So it was, it was difficult. She was, she, she was listening to someone who really isn't telling her good things, isn't leading her to like a, a, forgive, a place of forgiveness and reconciliation. Um, Elizabeth and I, when we go home to Northern Ireland, to my family in Northern Ireland sometimes, there's a lady in our church called Kathleen. We always visit her when, when we're home. And an you know, older lady in her late 70s, just incredibly grace-filled, no axes to grind, just loves the Lord. And gosh, you ask her for some advice, man alive, it's good. And you always leave when you've met with her, she's really good coffee as well, so you always leave a bit, you know, on a caffeine high, but you always leave full of faith, you know, a brilliant person to listen to. So it's important that we ask, who are we listening to? When we look at the passage, the Galatians were listening to these so-called new friends that they had. Um, who were saying loads and loads of nice stuff, buttering them up. But the reality was they had ulterior motives. Paul tells the Galatians, the only reason these guys are being nice to you is so that you ditch me and follow them for guidance. And chapter six of Galatians tells us the reason they want you to follow them for guidance is to impress people, to make people look like, oh, look, we've nicked Paul's followers. They're following us. Look at us. We are the super apostles now. That was their motivation. That's who wanted to, and that's who the Galatians were listening to. You know, it's always nicer for our egos to listen to people who flatter us, isn't it? You know, say the nice things. Say the things we want to hear. And what we often do in the process is slag off the people who aren't. <laughs> slag off the people who, who don't say what we want to hear. Say, oh yeah, I'm not going to listen to them. And that seems to be what was happening here. Verse 16, Paul says to the Galatians, look, have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Really, is that what's happened? And I think the verse that perfectly almost describes what's going on with the Galatians and Paul here is is Proverbs 27, verse six. Faithful are the wounds from a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. 
These false teachers are saying all these nice things. Paul's coming in. Paul's the friend. He's the one who's saying, look, this is the truth. You've got to believe this. You've got to take this on board. You've got to take this. And sometimes it's true. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. A friend, when they care for you, they will bring the hard truth. Somebody doesn't care for you. They're not going to say anything. And it's good to remember that, that often it's the people who really care for us the most that are actually bringing the hardest things to us. So I just want to, almost, we're almost finished. I just want to ask some questions. And I want us all to ask these questions of ourselves. I'm just going to read them out. They're not on the screen. Question one, whose voices are you listening to? And I don't just mean people. It can be, what are you reading? What are you watching? How much time are you on Insta, Twitter? Whose voices are you listening to? And, and what effect does that have? You know, spend all our time on Instagram. I'm not digging it, but it's designed to make you dissatisfied. So, you know, Twitter is designed to make you angry. You know, if you spend all your time on those platforms, that's what happens. Whose voices are you listening to? Secondly, who are you not listening to that maybe you should listen to? I reflected on this this week. My dad said, oh, I listened to this really good talk from the pastor at our church at home. You should listen to it. And in my head, I'm like, I'm not going to listen to it. I'm not going to listen to it. If one of the other leaders at CCM said, Andy, listen to this talk, and it was the same talk, I'd listen to it. I'm like, maybe I should listen to my dad more. Maybe it's a good talk. It's a challenge for me, actually. I've stopped. If he recommends a book or a talk, I don't read it. If someone else does, I do. Maybe there's someone in your life a bit like that. Third question, who is allowed to challenge you? And what happened the last time they did? Fourthly, have you got Christian friends who can and do tell you uncomfortable truths from time to time? It's not something we naturally go and seek out, do we? Number five, what stops you from challenging others? In the right way, obviously. What stops you from challenging others? Two more questions. Do you need to speak into someone's life and share a hard truth with them right now? A final question. Is there a hard truth that someone has shared with you and you need to consider it rather than pushing it back. The Bible says sharing and receiving hard truths is like a, a tree being pruned or iron sharpening iron. My dad's an apple farmer, and when he comes over to visit, we've got an apple tree in our garden. First thing he does, he'll go out, get the little clippers, and go and prune the apple tree. It's just second nature to it. And he'll prune the apple tree, and then he'll come over to me and say, Andy, your clippers need sharpening. I've never sharpened clippers in my life, but anyway, I just nod, but that's what he does. <laughs> now, imagine being a tree or a piece of iron that needs sharpened. It's probably not a comfortable experience being pruned or sharpened at the time, but it's really important in the long run. And that's why uh, sharing and receiving hard truths well is so important 
because it's a vital part of the pruning and the sharpening exercise of us growing as disciples, as us growing as followers of Jesus. The reality is, we talk about wanting to grow in our faith, grow in our discipleship, grow in maturity. The tools God has given us to grow are the people in this room who can come and actually share stuff and speak into our lives and point things out in love and doing it well. And we do the same to them. These are the tools God has given us to do that. And you know, we live in a society where people are increasingly struggling to accept different opinions from their own. Okay, people are struggling to handle being challenged. People can, just can't deal with that anymore. Struggling to admit when they're wrong. And what that's led to is we've heard cancel culture. People would rather cancel someone than actually engage with what they're saying. They'd rather just like get rid of them than rather actually debate with them and say, no, no, this is why I think we need to talk about this. And as believers, as Christians, we're called to be different. We're called to stand out from that. We want to be different. We want to be open to receiving uncomfortable truths. And we want to be able to challenge people in a way that makes them more likely to accept the hard truths that are going to help them grow in their faith, help them grow as Christians. So the goal in all this is not who's right and who's wrong. The goal is that we find freedom in the gospel. The goal is that together we can grow to full maturity in Christ. You know, and as we know, Jesus was a great example of certainly sharing uncomfortable truths to people. And those are the things that give us life, that bring us life, the things that he's brought sharing and receiving hard truths is such a huge part of the journey of being becoming a fully mature follower of Jesus